0: Thank you. And welcome to Definitive Breaks. I'm Tina. You're tuned into Radio Karam. On today's show, I've got a special guest. I'll be chatting and catching up with Julia Fernanda. Julia is a performance artist actor and playwright. Here to talk about her latest theatre production called Lost in Venice, which is based on a true Australian story about Julia's grandparents, her grandfather, Ron Vinson, being a filmmaker which centres on an ill-fated trip to Italy in 65 with his friend Bert Hayes, the founder of Pampas Pastry. Welcome to Radio Karen, Julia. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me too.
0: Oh, it's nice to be speaking with you. Um, I'm so fascinated with this play. It's sort of been described as waking fright meets "Madmen" meets Twin Peaks. It's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I
1: wrote that one day off the, off the cuff. Um, it, it stuck with a lot of people. I think um, it, because of that it's popular culture, those kind of terms, I mean, a lot of people have seen um, the series Mad Men and uh, the whole kind of um, 1950s. Uh, mentality of what was going on and relationships between men and mm. women. And uh, many people know the film Waking Fright. Do you know that film? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, quite Psychological a brutal brutal. thriller. Yeah. yeah. Um, from the 1970s. Oh, I haven't seen the um, the remake. Um, and Twin Peaks, of course. I uh, love people Twin know Peaks. that, Peaks. A lot of people know um, David Lynch. So it does um, blend the, all those three kind of styles. And
0: together. I loved um, Mad Men. I love all that yes, mid-century, so you know, all the 60s, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so you love the play because we have a lot of mid-century items in there, um, like clothing and um, props and suitcases and lamps oh, and wonderful. things that are the original things. So it is actually a bit of a mid-century play, I think. I it's such imagine. a stylish
0: era. Like women just wore amazing dresses and outfits, and men were just decked out in suits and were, you know, suave with their slick hair. And yeah, it was colorful. I yeah, I love the fifties and sixties. I know. So yeah, I, um, yeah. Could you tell me about the the theater production that you've all put together?
1: Well, um, it's quite a long story, but I'll try and make it as uh, <laughs> clear and concise as I can. Um, look, it's basically, it is a theatre play. The genre is theatre. Yes. It's got some snippets of cabaret in it. Um, wonderful. Basically by um, the wonderful Nikki Navone, who uh, travels around Australia performing her own Piaf show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has pieces of uh, Super 8 that my grandfather shot of his life and of his trip in 1965 um, that kind of project as the play is going on, uh, on and off, um, and it's also got some um, great props and um, it's quite an interesting yeah. uh, lot that we've got happening and it weaves a story of um, what life was like um, in the 1950s and 60s, uh, particularly for women uh, in Australia. It's set in Melbourne, of course, because that's where I'm from and my grandparents mm-hmm. are from, um, so it kind of tells the story of, um, what it was like being, um, a housewife, uh, in, during that time. And, um, I think I was speaking with someone recently who, uh, I identified with a lot of things that I was, um, that I was trying to speak about in the play, saying, well, that's just what it was like then. The women just, that's all they knew. And, I mean, there was, there was no Me Too movement back in the 60s No. 50s. Um, it, it was just women's lot. So, um... So it tells the story from that perspective, and my grandfather, um, bless him, he was a wonderful man. He was a great grandfather, and he was a great man. Um, but it was a very different era, and um, he used to go away on these trips. They were sort of business trips, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but he used to leave my grandmother at home, and he'd always come back with great and um, incredible gifts, and shower her with, you know, amazing gifts from all over the world, which I still have, which is still in the play. It's wow, quite amazing. Um, so it, it tells that story and what it was like, uh, for her from her perspective and then from his perspective as well, um, that he was the man of the house and he had to take care of everyone and he actually lifted them out of poverty. Um, they got married, you know, I think probably about 1940, my grandmother would have been 18.
0: Wow. And,
1: um, they were, as said, a lot of people were dirt poor, there was a war on, mm-hmm. um, uh, then they made a lot of money very quickly. He was very, um. Uh, Ah, innovative yeah innovative successful creative and bought and sold things did things up and Mm -hmm. sold cars and um made quite a lot of money so by the time the 50s came around they were quite well off and um he treated himself to a lot of holidays eventually he did take my grandmother overseas so i was gonna say yeah (laughs) eventually well eventually actually she put her foot down and um she went to New Zealand and then she took herself off to Indonesia by herself.
0: That's great.
1: Yeah. And, um, (laughs) that's, I guess that's a whole new other story as well. So she did in the end. She had enough, and this was towards the late sixties. Um, when she really just thought, "No, I'm going to go and do a trip on my own," and I think she just went to the bank and took a whole lot of money out wow. and just left and went and travelled through Indonesia. for Oh, a good for days. her! And then when she came <laughs> back, then they ended up going to Europe, but that wasn't until the 1970s. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of um, pivots around the whole you know, social and political revolution of you know what was happening in the 1960s, and of course it. It does kind of end up talking about the trip that uh, my grandfather did with um, his dear friend Bert, Bert yes, Haynes, yes. who happened to be part of the family that founded uh, Pampas Pastry. Yes. They had a factory, I think, in Brunswick. Um, it just
0: and sounds, been, sounds so surreal, but how does a filmmaker, your grandfather and a man who owns a pastry business, end, end up entwined in, in a story like this?
1: I, I know. Well, it's It doesn't sound strange until you describe it like that. Yeah, yeah, it is strange. Um, But they were members of what's called the uh, ANSET ANA Sportsman's Club.
0: Yes. Uh, ANSET
1: ANA was almost like an exclusive charter flight that ANSET used to run for um, wealthy business people and um, for celebrities. Um, And these guys who weren't really sportsmen, um, they were really – kind of men in suits who just like to travel around and have a good time. Oh, like wow, so, yes. So that's how they knew each other and they were very close friends and the families were very close, close families. Um, so, yeah, we and we show some footage of the trip and, um, yeah, unfortunately uh, Bert never uh, came back from the trip so we kind of – we, we do cover a little bit of that in the play and then afterwards we have a documentary kind of uh, film screening that I've made that that kind of goes into detail more of, of what happened. I won't talk about it now. I don't want to spoil anything. No. Um, so And it's interesting to hear you t- say um, my grandfather was a filmmaker. I mean, he was, but, I mean, that term didn't really exist back mm-hmm. then. I mean, a filmmaker, what was that? That was someone who, you know, worked in Hollywood. And, mm-hmm made movies was Clark Gable. I mean, he wasn't a filmmaker. I mean, I've coined that phrase now because I've looked at his films and um, some of his films have been uh, preserved by the uh, National uh, Sound and Film Archives and they're sitting in Canberra in a vault because they
0: That's what uh, I wanted to ask. Me. Yeah. yeah. So, so your grandfather's Super 8 films were deemed to have historical significance and now they're going to be preserved by the National Film and Sound yeah, Archives in Canberra.
1: Not all of them, but some of them in particular.
0: Um, how did how did it all come about?
1: Well, actually, it was my birthday. Yeah, many years. Well, not that many years. Well, probably about six years ago, and um, I caught up with some friends, and then we ended up going somewhere else, and we went to this party that was happening, and um, I met um, a really lovely woman called Siobhan who I oh, was working at the um, National. Uh, film and sound archives in Melbourne mm-hmm. and I was just talking to her about films and I said oh look I've got these incredible films my grandfather took um, he went up to the Sepik River in Papua New Guinea early 1960s the quality st- I don't know what to do with them and she said well that sounds really interesting I'd like to see them so I uh, lent them to her and she showed I don't know whatever she showed and um, she came back to me she said look you know we would like to Um, have them basically if you would donate them we'll scan them for you in high res and we will store them in a vault in Canberra and um, they'll preserve them forever that we think that they're invaluable um, because he went up to a lot of villages in Papua New Guinea and uh, you know I mean they hadn't really seen it cameras then so all the footage is quite intimate like Mm -hmm. very close and they're all staring into the camera and they um, showed him and his friends into the uh, villages and you can see them weaving baskets and wow. making food and making puppets and I mean it's really quite remarkable. So it's kind of um, yeah, I mean people used to think his films are really boring <laughs> at the time. Huh? I mean they were a bit, almost a bit embarrassed by them, you know, because he used to have these uh, film nights. Um, I remember one when I was very little, um, he'd set up a Screen in the lounge room, and he'd invite everyone. And my mum used to say, "Oh my gosh, people would be falling asleep, you know, <laughs> because he'd he'd show the slides that he took, and he'd give a lecture on every slide, and then he'd show the film, and it'd be like midnight. People would be there since six really? o'clock or something. That was his thing. And yeah, and so people, you know, and he used to like filming things as they happened,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, like as people were passing by. He always
0: capturing time. To look Look natural. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, it was never all stand together like we do now and like, take a selfie, that kind of thing. It was always like he liked to kind of blend in and I think he was probably almost, you know, hiding behind lampposts with, the, with oh. his camera at times um, taking films. So
0: Gosh, usually, you know, people document with only photos but Ron sounds like he was ahead of his time. Oh, absolutely. What, what yeah. do you think he would have... Um, have liked to have done with his Super 8 films? What do you think he would have liked to have done with them?
1: I think what's happening now, he would have loved that because he um, he was the only person um, out of his family. He came from quite a large family who travelled overseas. Uh-huh. And he travelled overseas a lot. Yes. Um, and so I think he used to feel like he was teaching people because he was very ex- excited about the world and different cultures and
0: uh-huh. different
1: lands and, and he used to love... Telling people what it was like and showing them these films, so I think he would um, really like the fact now that people are actually seeing these these films and you know reliving what he what he saw and what he lived through.
0: Well, what do you think um, if Rom was Super 8 filming in the sixties? What do you think he would be make of today's technology?
1: Oh, look, he would have absolutely he would have loved, loved it. it. Yeah, I think he would have. Um, you know how he just would have loved it i think he would have uh, learned how to use it even if he was <laughs> quite old now yeah. he would have just you know forced himself to learn and i just think he just would have really really enjoyed it
0: oh wow so i was just going to ask you how much of the history you, did you uncover or discover when writing and creating this play did was there anything else that you'd Discover. Oh, look,
1: there's, there's things all the time popping up. It's been like Pandora's Box. Oh. I mean, it started – when we once we got the films transferred or, and once I gave them to the National Sound and Film Archive, um, they kind of sat for a while and then um, – because we produced cabaret shows. Uh, we uh-huh. have uh, the Paris Underground Cabaret and Club Soda. Yes. And we toured those around Australia. And Sounds we exciting. were wanting to do
0: something a little bit different. Uh-huh. And
1: um, – it actually started, believe it or not. When you're making,
0: so, you're making I was a pie. Making
1: an apple pie. And I, you know, it's kind of one of those stories that you hear when you're growing up. Oh, you know, Pa used to know Bert Haynes, who founded the Pampas Pastry, and they went to Italy together. And I just kind of grabbed my phone and Googled, as you do, and all the time. And I thought, oh, look, I'll find out something about it. And there's nothing online about it. there's nothing on the internet about the trip or the Haynes family or anything. So I thought, gee, that is really strange. And then I thought, oh, we had been thinking about doing a a show that combined cabaret and maybe some uh, visual arts, Uh maybe some Super 8, maybe some um, footage. And I thought, oh, you know, we could do something about the trip maybe. We got the Mm. films transferred and I'll have a look at that. And then um, I just wrote the play. I have written a couple of other plays Mm -hmm. before uh, that have been uh, produced. Um, and then it's just kind of gotten bigger and bigger. And, you know, people have been contacting me on uh, via Facebook mm-hmm. and calling up and family members of, you know, that I haven't heard from in a while have been ringing me. And, then yeah, look, all kinds of odd things are popping up and it's getting bigger and bigger. And, you know, there's, oh, like almost conspiracy theories. Yes. And so were you
0: told th- about this tra- tragedy? Were you... Had yeah, you known was, about this beforehand?
1: Yes, I did know. Yeah. Okay. But it was all oh, – we grew up with it. You know, and it was just one of those things and, oh, yeah, okay, that, that's sad. And Yeah, yeah you exactly. Do when, you're, when you're a child or a teenager and um, and then we just, I don't know, never really thought about it until that moment I was making a pie and I just thought, oh, I'll Google it and I expected to find something. I didn't find anything. Yeah, I know. I, I tried
0: Googling not. it too, thinking, oh, where's the mystery in this? And um, no, I couldn't find anything. Well, uh, hopefully,
1: hopefully you found Lost in Venice. Yes,
0: yeah, <laughs> we did. I did. I did.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's... And I thought, oh, that's a shame that there's nothing about the company and nothing about the trip. And and in a way, I felt responsible. I thought I'm almost I'm the custodian of this story and of this footage. And yeah. if I don't tell it now and get it out there, then... It just will never be told.
0: So how's his side of the family?
1: No, I haven't really had uh, much contact. Do they know with there's, a there's a play? There's yeah, they do. Okay. Yeah, I had contact with his granddaughter about it. Um, she's very busy and I haven't heard from her for a while. Um, so it's really just doing it on my own at the moment. Okay. I mean, might get involved in the future, but I haven't really heard much.
0: From okay. Them. Okay. Wow. I just find it interesting that um, his, when he gave you, how old were you when he gave you these Super 8 films and he and he said to you, you know, he gave you special instructions to actually look after these? Oh, I was particular. a
1: teenager. Wow. I was very young and I just kind of thought, well, okay, that's nice because I was always into photography and I was the only one in the family, you know, who I started developing my own photos and he really, like that, and he taught me how to take photos. Oh, nice! And, and um, he always used to say, um, "When you take a photo, you got to hold your breath." And uh, you know what? I realised actually yesterday that because I've got a um, a uh, SLR camera, mm-hmm. and I went and studied uh, photography at RMIT as well. And um, it is something I'm really p- passionate about. And I realise I think I hold my breath still. <laughs> not a, Do you know not what? Now that phone. you've said that,
0: I'm going to hold my breath because I, <laughs> I love photography too and I've done a few courses. And I just oh, right. tried to hold my breath then. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Um, can you tell me about the performers in the show? So there there are three of them?
1: Yep. There's um, Richard Vegas. He's also known as Richard Jerfie. He's got two names. Yes. Um, he is um, an actor for, uh, who graduated from NIDA. Um, he's done a lot of film and television and a lot of theatre. He's toured with uh, Belle Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. He's been nominated for a Green Room Award for his performance in Night Letters as part of um, Adelaide Festival some years ago. Yeah. And he's also Richard Vegas, who's um, a magician, um, who does a lot of corporate work and a lot of work in variety shows and uh, we run Paris Underground together. Um, there's uh, Nikki Navo, who is a friend of ours who is a singer, mm-hmm. and um, she's also worked with us in Paris Underground, and she has her own shows. Uh, she has two at the moment that she's always playing in theatres and spiegel tents and uh, vineyards, and uh, she's performed in um, uh, Europe, and she's performed in America as well. So, She's coming, and she's some quite a good actor as well. So mm. She's kind of breaking out into acting, so she's got a little bit acting in there as well. Um, we have Abigail King who is um, another person who we have worked with in the past. and um, She's from New Zealand and she's done quite a lot of theatre. Um, she's done quite a lot of film as well. She's um, quite a big uh, person in the um, indie film business. Wonderful. Wonderful. And um, she's a bit of an Instagram uh, Queen, she's got a lot of followers um, mm. So she does all that And um, yeah, we're very
0: lucky to have Abby on board oh, She's been great Wonderful Is there any interest in developing it Into a feature film script by any chance? Oh, It's interesting
1: you should you never ask never know that. Hey? Yeah, look, yes actually No one's ever asked that But we, it's something we have been thinking of I mean, it, it's a huge endeavour Um, take a long time but you know it's certainly possible Mm. then I can maybe I can go to Venice and (laughs) (laughs) you could and I could go and you know get a grant to go there and research it for a while (laughs) so that that would be that would be lovely to do that
0: can you tell me about um raconteur productions (laughs) Uh, yes, have that's I pronounced been, it right? You have. Rock on tour. <laughs> Rock on third.
1: storyteller. Um, uh, yes, it's a production company that I run with my partner, Richard, and um, it's been going for a very long time. Uh, we started out in theatre mm-hmm. and then we moved into cabaret and back into theatre and then back into cabaret and now we're kind of blending them all. So we have quite a few productions. Um. As I mentioned before, Paris Underground and Club at Cabaret Shows, Lost in Venice Theatre Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a new one called uh, Real Fictions with um, a magician Pierre Hark and Richard Vegas and Pierre mm-hmm. do um, a great uh, hour-long show that, that, that was launched at Adelaide Fringe uh, this year and they're planning to take that to the US I think late next year. Um, and we have a couple of other little shows too that are In the Wind. So we mostly tour art centres and festivals and we wow. have played in every state, twice over. We've, um, we were in Darwin a few months ago, we were in Adelaide, uh, we've been over to Western Australia twice, down to Margaret River, all the way up to You must Caraca travel a
0: lot. Twice. It'd be, be so much fun. We did, particularly
1: <laughs> before COVID, we really did oh. a lot. We went all the way up to Cairns and Magnetic Island and then all uh-huh. the way back through to Brisbane and Townsville and Mackay and... Um, And then we've done the Central Coast uh, as well. We've done Port Macquarie, um, all the way down to Tasmania, all through (laughs) Victoria. Uh, We haven't been to Alice Springs. I think that's the only place that we haven't been to. I'd love to go there and to Calgary. They've got some great art centres there. Um, But, look, right now it is difficult to try and plan with COVID um, and COVID not that we have any more lockdowns, but just flight delays and people are still getting sick. Oh, people are getting yeah. sick and,
0: cance- you know, cancelling and, oh. Yeah. So, Lost in
1: Venice is, right now is... Um,
0: Screening playing. tomorrow? Tomorrow yeah. night?
1: And then in drive, start the potato shed on Saturday and then at the engine room Bendigo next Tuesday uh-huh. and then we're back to regional Victoria in September. So, look, these little local tours work well for us rather than planning these massive big trips Mm -hmm. and it's a bit uncertain at the moment we all just want spring to
0: come yes (laughs) i know so do i so you can find a raconteur productions on instagram and facebook um it's going to be a fantastic play um, which will definitely entertain and charm i'm so you know i'm excited to see it Um, Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Julia, for sharing your wonderful, wonderful family story. Good luck with it. And thank Thank you for coming on Radio Karen.
1: Thank you so much.